Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Thanks for listening to the Political Rewind podcast. Be sure to like and follow us and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Um, After spending a lot of time in the past weeks uh, talking about uh, uh, stories like uh, the Supreme Court ruling on Roe, the January 6th committee, uh, the gubernatorial campaign, Senate race here in Georgia, all of which are important and will continue to track. It's really important that today um, we uh, take uh, the next hour to talk about uh, the struggle for uh, equal rights and equal protections under the law for the uh, LGBTQ community in Georgia um, and, of course, across the country as well. This is Pride Month. It's, it's not an accident that Pride Month takes place in June because one of the most significant events in terms of bringing attention and igniting passions for the community uh, to gain equal rights was the Stonewall riots, which took place on June 28, 1969, New York City. Police raided the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar, and it sparked an extraordinary uprising uh, led primarily by the LGBT community across the country. Protests uh, it took place. The creation of the Gay Liberation uh, Front uh, happened at that point. And so um, we continue to look at June as one of the months in which it's important to talk about where uh, the rights for the community uh, stand. By the way, um, we did a show uh, a while ago, and I was just a minute ago trying to find the the title of the book, and I can't, but I'll find it. Sarah Shulman uh, was with us a number of months ago. She wrote a book about the history of ACT UP, which came out of the Stonewall riots, and it was one of the most um, aggressive and uh, uh, pa- impassioned uh, gay rights groups, and that's still available on our website. I'll, I'll um, while we have a minute here, find the title of the book again so you can talk about it. We can talk about it. All right, let's get right to our panel. Um, Kevin Riley, the boss of the AJC editor, uh, is with us as he is on Thursdays. Kevin, welcome. Uh, good morning, Bill, and good day. And we're just a few days away from July 4th. So um, looking forward to what I think will be a really good show. Um, Jeff Graham. Uh, Jeff Graham, you and I have known each other for many, many years, the executive director of Georgia Equality. And and I think our listeners should know you have been um, an activist in this world for decades now, uh, fighting certainly for uh, equal protections, equal rights for the LGBTQ community but also seeing uh, the need for that far beyond uh, the gay and lesbian community. And it's, it's always a pleasure to have you as one of the truly great leaders uh, with us today, Jeff. Thank you, Bill. I, I certainly appreciate that. And it's, it's great to be uh, here with, with you and Tim and, and everyone else. Looking forward to today's conversation. Demarcus Beckham is here. He's the executive director of Reach to Impact, um, <clears throat> an organization that operates down in the Macon area. And DeMarcus, your organization is focused primarily on dealing with HIV, AIDS, testing, awareness, and the like, correct? 
Yes, sir. And, and thank you so much for having me today. It's truly an honor. Um, and I'm just happy to be a part of the conversation today. We're glad to have you here. Uh, we're also very happy to have Chanel uh, Haley with us as well. Chanel, you work with uh, Jeff as the gender policy manager at uh, Georgia Equality. You are, uh, you know, I, I talked in the uh, opening of the show about the fact that there have been breakthroughs that are worthy of celebration uh, in terms of public officials in the community and others. And you um, are the first African-American transgender person hired by the Georgia House. And you actually work with four Republicans and three Democrats. You uh, were appointed to the City of Atlanta Human Relations Commission. And uh, you have many other uh, have had many other opportunities as a transgender uh, woman to reach out and work with uh, communities far beyond your own. So it's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I look forward to engaging with the conversation. Jeff, let me start with you, uh, because I want to ask you about your thoughts on um, what I said in the very introduction to this show. There are reasons to celebrate some progress on a number of fronts, uh, the more and more openly uh, LGBTQ people in public offices. Um, the um, uh, uh, Fulton County just announced, the district attorney just said, we're going to make sure that we protect the rights and the safety of people in the community. There are, you know, even the U.S. Supreme Court in the Bostick uh, versus Clayton County ruling said LGBTQ people have the same protections in terms of jobs that the rest of uh, of, of, of people do. So there's progress, but there's also some difficult times and some rolling back at this moment as well. Yes? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, uh, we, we can uh, certainly talk about the, the, the rolling back. I do think, you know, since it's pride, we'll start off with, with uh, really celebrating some of the, 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 the gains that have been made. So, I, you know, I, I think very significantly, Georgia, uh, in terms of what comes out of the legislature and becomes law, uh, is still a very moderate state. Um, I, you know, got a, we hit a peak uh, back in uh, 2016 when uh, then Governor Nathan Deal vetoed uh, the last piece of, of truly hateful uh, anti-LGBTQ legislation to come out of the, the legislature, and Governor Deal. Uh, did did veto that and made a very strong comment uh, as a person of faith as to, to why he was vetoing that. And I think that that is an important uh, milestone uh, in our movement. But, uh, you know, you talk about the number of, of uh, out elected officials, and they are not just here in the metro Atlanta area. We have uh, out elected officials in Athens, down in Savannah, uh, up in Swanee, so around the whole state. Um, and then I think very significantly this year, while none of them actually made it uh, to be the party nominee, we had three very strong, very viable out candidates running for statewide office, Renita Shannon, uh, Matthew mm. Wilson, and, and Curry Hitchens. And, uh, you know, uh, as you had uh, said early on, I've been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, 30 years ago in Georgia, uh, for an out person to even run for the state legislature was considered a, a more of a fringe candidate trying to make a statement. And uh, that in 2022, we had three incredibly viable candidates uh, uh, that all 
I actually came within striking distance of, of making it into runoffs. And I think that that really is, is one gauge of public support. Um, uh, a poll was just released last week um, from uh, one of our colleague organizations within the labor movement that shows that 70% of Georgians feel that there should be laws that protect members of the LGBT community against discrimination. So uh, from a public perspective, I, you know, support remains really, really high. But yes, we have seen uh, a, a number of challenges here in Georgia. There's been uh, attacks very specifically on transgender kids, which uh, really bothers me. Um, uh, these are kids that are just trying to live their lives and, and parents that are just trying to do their best uh, to, to give a quality of life and respect their, 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 their children. Um, uh, yet they become political punching bags. And then uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, we've seen in other states and around the country this growing sense of threats of violence. Um, and a lot of this started earlier this year down in Florida uh, when we started hearing Governor DeSantis and his office uh, going all the way back to language that I had not heard since the late 80s, early 90s, uh, equating members of the LGBT community with pedophilia and grooming and, and sex mm. abuse of, of children. I really thought we had turned the corner on that. And it went, it jumped from the fringe to the mainstream of conservative politics extremely quickly. And we've seen threats of violence at pride events around the country, including a rally uh, a couple of weeks ago at the state capitol that had to be postponed because of death threats against one of the student organizers. Yeah. Um, thank you for that 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 summary of the, the good and, and the not so good. Uh, Chanel, I want to turn to you because I want to just read a portion of a statement that Jeff Graham uh, released in the aftermath of the uh, Supreme Court ruling on Roe. And, and, and I want to get your thoughts about it. I'm sure you've seen it. He said, our community and especially transgender people are already under fierce attack. Right now we are seeing grave assaults to people's basic liberties across the board, from denying reproductive freedom to the passage of school censorship laws to efforts to criminalize established life-saving health care for transgender adolescents. Now, one thing about that, and we get to this in a few minutes, um, the fact that Jeff ties together uh, the rights of uh, women to seek an abortion uh, to uh, issues that you face in the LGBT community is in itself really interesting. But why don't you speak to the what he has to say, had to say about the transgender uh, issues right now? Um, so, yeah, across the country, and particularly here in Georgia, there's been attacks specifically to the trans community on several occasions. Um, the last one, um, they succeeded with the ban of allowing trans youth be able to either participate in sports in school, which it should be just a simple inalienable right um, that is causing mental health mm -hmm. issues. I want people to think about how it was for any adolescent, trans, um, cis, gay, straight, just to be an adolescent in school and to play sports or be what, it's, what you felt like. How do you feel about your body, about acceptance, about teamwork? These are things that all of us have experienced before um, or that we are all seeking. And the Georgia General Assembly took that away from these kids. 
So Gordon Marcus. Yeah, let me. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Chanel. I Finish that, please. They're also trying to take away the ability for the parents um, to make decisions about their child's um, health care and their well-being by wanting to ban them for getting um, heavy access to transition-related medical care. And, you know, it's, it's always uh, in a state where up until just very recently, it has always been um, to allow for us to have our individual rights, um, um, separation of the state, then it really is telling that you're really attacking a community by now stepping into someone's household and saying that, hey, you know, we think we should, we know what's better for health care um, than your child. And, you know, I don't think your child really does need to um, have any um, any services with mental health or any any related surgeries and that you're wrong for supporting your child. I mean, the whole political campaign was saying, was calling these mothers woke moms as if being a woke mom was a bad thing. It's good to be in tune with your child. Kevin? It's Marcus, you know, to bring you into the conversation, I mean, as an advocate, I'm just curious how you handle uh, when news develops this way. I mean, the legislature's in session. It's going happily along or maybe not so happily along. And then, boom, mm. someone drops a bill, which is, um, you know, almost in the face of your community's mm. efforts. What? How do you react personally and then in your work? How do you handle that? Thank you so much. You know, every day when I'm out in the streets, my, my work is mainly grassroots, you know, meeting people where they are. Um, and when I see individuals who are part of the LGBT community, specifically individuals who are transgender, you, they come to me and they ask, how, you know, you know what can we do? And, and the thing is, it's about, one, educating yourself on where our Georgia state legislature, you know, sits on law. Uh, and then it's also about being active. I, I, I tell people we can't wallow in our sadness. Uh, you, you know, people say, you know, don't get angry, vote. I, I want people to get angry and then get out to vote. Uh, and, and, and constantly find ways that we can actively take an active role uh, in our society, showing that we are visible, we're here to stay, obviously, but also uh, to, to fight for our rights. It, we, we shouldn't just sit down and, and, and take this. Um, we have to be active. Um, so let's, while we're talking to you, DeMarcus, and we're looking at a, at a sort of a snapshot of the broader issues involving with the community, uh, talk to us a little bit about, very specifically about your work. Um, we've done on this show, we've done shows in the past on the HIV AIDS um, really epidemic in the state of Georgia. And of course, throughout the pandemic, uh, that really uh, Mm -hmm. kind of was buried by all of the concerns about the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. But but Mm -hmm. Georgia as a state continues to have one of the worst records in terms of high rates Mm -hmm. of HIV infection. Yes? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right now, Georgia is sitting at number two behind um, D.C. right now. We're number four in the nation with uh, the most individuals living with HIV and AIDS. Um, I, I'm seeing it from my side locally here in Macon. 
Um, I last year I tested well a little bit over a hundred people. It's only June, and I've already tested double that amount of people. Um, so we're we're at an age where people are concerned about their sexual health and, and whatnot. But I, I think I think a lot of people are missing the mark in in, in a lot of the education and whatnot. I mean, honestly, right now because of the lack of access to life-saving medications, uh, the lack of HIV and AIDS care assistance in rural parts of our state, um, and then also the lack of comprehensive sex education uh, curriculum in our schools where we are not well equipping our youth uh, and just average individuals to, to be ready um, to, be, uh, to be sexually active. Like right now, currently, when we look at our our, uh, you know, our school curriculum and standards is abstinent-based, which is very important. Abstinence is very important, um, but we sometimes understand it's not completely the reality. Um, also, uh, we're, you know, comprehensive um, sex education is also not talked about. So if you're, uh, if you're LGBTQ or non-binary, you're... Your, your sex life is not talked about in school. I mean, and, and that has been proven with recent legislation at our, under our Golden Dome where parents can come up to the um, Board of Education. They can say, I don't want my child to be taught this. I think that's putting our youth at a, a grave disadvantage um, when, you know, going into the you know, world and we're seeing Georgia number one uh, or the top percentage of the most diagnosed or the new diagnosed cases. So um, what I'm hearing, Jeff, <clears throat> excuse me, is that there are the two fronts that I think um, the LGBT community uh, sees as most significant, perhaps, to move forward on would be transgender rights and the issues surrounding them, lack of a legislature that won't allow for uh, uh, teaching about uh, transgender uh, people in schools, as it doesn't want to talk about any people of a sexual orientation other than heterosexual. Um, so there's a big issue there, healthcare, um, and and there's also this entire issue of uh, what's happening to our educational system, uh, in which we see more and more restrictions about what can be taught and what can't be taught. Am I right that those are kind of the two major fronts that you'd like to make progress on moving forward? Yeah, most, most definitely. And I think that, uh, you know, that these attacks on uh, what young people can learn are, are very intentional. Um, that I think it, it, it really is, uh, you know, from the perspective of the LGBTQ community, um, uh, it is an attempt to erase us. Uh, and erase our families. And I think, you know, very broadly speaking, uh, you know, folks who uh, may question about whether or not sexuality uh, should be taught as an age-appropriate uh, uh, concept, uh, you know, this, this carries over, frankly, uh, and, and this is a gray area that we just don't know what the Georgia law would cover, but any discussions of families. So, you know, uh, kids that are being raised, uh, by same-sex parents, or uh, so many kids uh, are growing up having a close family member who identifies as a member of the LGBT community. And will kids be stifled from talking about their families uh, in, in classes? And while I want us to be, to be clear that, that uh, our laws 
on their surface don't go as far as, for instance, the don't say gay bill down in Florida does. And so that's a good thing. That's why I said earlier that we, we continue to be a more moderate state. Uh, uh, we do know that this sets the stage for teachers, administrators, mm-hmm. uh, and, and kids and families to self-censor out of a sense of fear that they could be targeted if they do talk about these these topics. And uh, and then when you tie that back in with this growing uh, talking point uh, equating being LGBTQ with being a pedophile, that's what sets up a very, very dangerous, dangerous in, in environment. Uh, and then I do think that that gets tied directly to what is happening with also trying to erase discussions of race, uh, the history of people of color in this community, and now the most recent attack, which is uh, upending over f- nearly 50 years of legal precedence to strip away uh, women and other people who, who give birth uh, bodily autonomy and, and, a, and a right that everybody felt was sacrosanct. Chanel, I mean, as a gender policy manager, you obviously mix it up a lot with politicians at, at all levels. So my question for you is, I mean, what drives this, this thinking? Is it, is it a, 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 a philosophy? Is it, is it pure politics uh, for people to make hay or all the above? I mean, when you are in the trenches, as, as I think you probably are a lot on things like this, what is it that pushes things in this direction? It, it's 100% politics. And I, I say that um, because from my time there, the, the Georgia um, House of Representatives, and I, as you heard before, working with four Republicans and three Democrats, they were sweet as pie to me. It was really nice. Um, um, first of all, in fact, even when I left, they gave me a car with some money in it. Um, the Repu- it was the Republicans that did that, not the Democrats that did it. That's because they and have more money. They have better donors than the Democrats, that, I think. True. There was more of them, so they have more in their budget than the other party does. That is a fact. However, um, just as they were being sweet to you and nice to me in person, that did not mean that when they crossed those those doors to the chambers, they were okay with creating legislation that was directly impacted me and hurt me, um, and other and my and friends and family that I had. It's simply the way that their party is set up that they are always in step with one another, um, and I, I unfortunately that's the way it, it, it goes with with the conservative party is that they are loyal. Um, there's maybe some infighting that happens, but I think that we've seen in the past few elections that when it comes down to it, when, when their guy is picked, that's who they go with. So, so you're saying it's it's purely, often purely, what will work politically as opposed to actual personal feelings. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, unfortunately, I, and Jeff and I have. Had these debates before too. The the changing of hearts and minds I don't think really works here in Georgia, especially when it comes to conservatives. <laughs> um, that I think that you have to hit them with the wallet and let them know about um, income here, um, the um, the bottom line about um, the money that comes into Georgia. So that's why I said before um, I think I've been quoted when I did a different interview about um, you know protesting is, is nice and, and great and. Um, see how people feel, and it's a good um, temperature to see how many other people um, believe what you believe in. 
but you have to find a, a way to make sure that they understand what the financial um, um, consequences will be. Um, so, uh, DeMarcus, and, and I'll certainly include uh, uh, the rest of you in this con- question, um, th- this is going to come into play in political races in uh, the fall, and we already have some issues in terms of how the LGBTQ community is reacting to an endorsement that uh, Brian Kemp got from an organization that essentially believes that sexual and gender identities are literally sinful. Frontline Policy Action, which is a Christian lobbying group, endorsed Brian Kemp in May, uh, calling him a proven supporter of its goals. I, I do wonder, DeMarcus, whether Brian Kemp or his campaign really would want to embrace that statement or not. Uh, but in in response, there, there there's a real pushback in the LGBTQ community saying, you've got to reject this endorsement and tell us where you really stand on these issues. To Marcus? Well, obviously, our, our fair governor, you know, he has to fund his campaign. <laughs> um, but I, I hope he understands. I mean, he, he as governor, you take an oath to, to serve all people within your state. That, this, that's just a standard. You serve all people in our state. And for and we've seen it most over you know decades where you know we we do get that nugget of of hope from uh, our governors or our legislators when they give us something to you know silence us and whatnot. I don't think this should um, I, I, this false sincerity of I you know I I am for your community and yet you pass pieces of legislation and you take donor dollars. Um, from organizations who who are meant to harm us uh, and and not allow us to grow and feel protected as a community. What I can say to to Governor Kemp, he has one, he has a growing state with diversity. He needs to pay attention to that. He honestly does need to pay attention to that. Yes, he has passed several pieces of legislation that are you know, somewhat progressive. Um, it's in recent years he's passed, in terms of HIV and AIDS, he's passed legislation around rural access to medication, life-saving medications uh, to the positive community and, and, and those who are not positive, who want to protect themselves. He's also recently passed legislation around making sure that our HIV and AIDS, you know, how we handle HIV and AIDS is not based out of the 19, uh, 1980s anymore. So that's great. That's fantastic. We're seeing that progress. Um, but I think as a, as a community as a whole, as the LGBT community, he has a, lot, a long way to go. Um, I, I certainly, um, hopefully, he has the best interest for our state, but I, I'm not seeing that. All right, let's do this. I, I'm a little bit late to get to our first break. Uh, but when we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about with our panel today. You're listening to Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon.
we're talking about the state of LGBTQ rights in the state of Georgia on our show today. Kevin Riley, the editor of the AJC, is with us. Uh, so is Chanel Haley, who's the gender policy manager at Georgia Equality. Demarcus Beckham, executive director of Reach to Impact. And Jeff Graham, the executive director of Georgia Equality. Uh, Jeff, you've been in the trenches for many years on this fight. And I thought about you when Chanel was talking about the Republicans that she worked with who, in their legislative roles, uh, took action that that perhaps uh, caused harm to the transgender uh, community, and yet when she dealt with them one-on-one, they were uh, people who treated her with dignity and respect. And, and you know, of course, that what that points out to me is that one of the battles that you and your role have to fight is the fact that certain values have become entrenched as doctrine within especially the Republican Party, the Georgia Republican Party, as part of that. And and that means there aren't open conversations, I don't think, but you'll tell me about this. You've been known for your entire career as somebody who knows how to work both sides of the aisle, have respectful conversations. So with that in mind, is there are there persuadable legislators who could turn the corner on some of the laws that you and your colleagues feel are restrictive right now? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, and and uh, and and that's not just a, a sense of, of being uh, Pollyanna. Uh, I mean, it, it it really is the number of one-on-one conversations that I've had with folks down at at the, at the state capitol, and uh, just like. The rest of society, um, there are a number of Republicans, um, some of them in, in very important roles, that have children, uh, family members, staff members uh, that, that are LGBTQ. Um, uh, there are uh, a growing number of uh, legislators uh, that go to church um, uh, weekly with uh, LGBTQ folks. Um, and, you know, one of the big doctrines, I think, is that, uh, you know, the LGBT community is an affront to religion. And, and you know, the, uh, what you had discussed earlier with DeMarcus, I, I think that that, you know, is, is, is one of the ongoing challenges here in Georgia. But we know that from surveys we've done that the majority of uh, members of the LGBT community actually do identify uh, as people of faith. And, and even more importantly, I think it's critical that the vast majority of faith traditions, um, uh, very specifically Christianity, but not limited to Christianity, a number of faith traditions have uh, evolved and changed their attitudes on LGBTQ issues and, and embrace that. So all of that kind of propels forward the change of the legislature. And I think one of the good markers of that is last year, we did actually have um, the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, held a hearing uh, on whether or not we needed a, a statewide civil rights law here in, in Georgia. And that hearing was respectful. That hearing was, a, a, you know, the, all the Democrats on the committee showed up, but so did a number of the Republicans. Uh, and I do believe that they are taking some of these issues much more seriously. You know, um, uh, Chanel, I want to talk a little bit about um, a, a parallel I see between the election of Barack Obama as president of the United States, which led many people to say, oh, thank goodness, we're finally in a post-racial America. Turns out <clears throat> that wasn't true, excuse me. And the Obergefell ruling, which the Supreme Court uh, 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 said, yes, 
a gay marriage is legal. And we all said, well, terrific. We finally, or not everyone said we're terrific, but people who believe that's correct said, thank goodness we're finally moving to a post-discrimination world when it comes to gay people and their right to get married. Well, it turns out that's not so true either, Chanel. Um, yeah, that was never true. That is what I think that most people assumed in the beginning. But I think that the trans community knew that was not the case at all. Um, you know, that really wasn't part of our, our major fight um, that kind of deflected. We are where we are today because we were left out of the original fight. And so, um, no, that definitely was, was, was not the way it is. And I also want to point out, too, that even though we're saying these negative things um, um, or these kind of sad cases around legislation and attitudes, um, particularly targeting the transgender community, is that there is some, some, some wins also. There are also are some trans people that are policymakers around the country, and they have been before Barack Obama. Um, so, you know, we've had mayors and um, people elected trans people elected in, in office, you know, in Florida and in um, um, Minnesota and um, Hawaii. And, you know, this is, again, before um, Obama became president and still continuing around the country. Um, you know, no one has made it to Congress or the United States Congress, United States Senate yet. But um, we also do make policies, too, and they get to influence and see the public get to see that we are like everyone else. And we have political views. Um, all of us also, we're not Democrats. Some of them were also Republicans. So we are across the gamut when it comes to, you know, race, where we live, and the beliefs that we, uh, that we have. Kevin? Jeff, uh, Jeff, I want to come back to you because uh, in this big picture of the fight for, um, you know, your equality and, and fairness and all that that means, We've we've had a recent ruling, of course, on the uh, Roe case, but but within that opinion, uh, Clarence Thomas, one of the justices, invited revisiting gay, the gay marriage case, um, mm-hmm. and I just wonder. I mean, there are many people who now realize that the people who wanted to overturn Roe engaged in a decades-long plan at every level to try to do that. And I wonder if that concerns you as it pertains to your agenda and what you would urge us to pay attention to as this uh, potentially goes mm-hmm. forward and the, from your side, this, this effort to, to continue um, uh, is, is going on, but also the forces that are working against it. Yeah, no, Tim, I think that that's a, that's a great question. And, and, and certainly, you know, he called out uh, the marriage decision, but frankly, he also called out uh, a previous Supreme Court decision that invalidated sodomy laws, um, the regulation of our consensual sex lives, uh, private sex lives in our, in our bedrooms. And, and in many ways, uh, that is uh, just as troubling, if not more troubling, because it really uh, sends a signal that there is uh, at least an openness on behalf of, of uh, Justice Thomas uh, to literally send us back decades um, uh, and that uh, the established rights that we thought we had uh, under court decisions um, are tenuous at best. Um, I, I think it's important for folks to realize, because I've been asked a lot about this, uh, the Dobbs decision did not invalidate marriage, and I'm not aware of any uh, cases 
uh, working their ways up towards the Supreme Court in the short term that would invalidate marriages or would overturn uh, sodomy laws. But uh, this is a movement, as you said, that, that waited close to 50 years um, and was very strategic to over, overturn Roe versus Wade. And I think we need to uh, be very aware of that. I think he sent a signal that there is an openness and that they can continue to move in that direction and should bring cases, should continue in this very uh, extremist point of view. And then I think the way we counteract that is that we have to pass and codify some of these rights that, that the courts have given us into law. Uh, there is a federal non-discrimination bill, uh, the Equality Act, that is stuck in the Senate. Um, uh, I think it's incumbent upon both sides to see if we cannot find some compromises that will get us 10 Republican votes, but at the same time provide solid enough and substantial enough rights, perhaps, uh, affirming the Bostock decision, maybe affirming the Obergefell marriage decision. Those things could be codified under federal law uh, as, as early as this year. And I think there is a, a renewed sense of urgency that we put pressure on both sides of Congress to, to, to recognize that and act appropriately. Yeah, I think, Jeff, you raise a, a good point. We don't really know what Clarence Thomas had in his head when he added that to his opinion on Dobbs, but it certainly could be suggested that he is inviting people to begin making cases that they can eventually bring to the Supreme Court on things like uh, gay uh, marriage as just one example. We'll, we'll see if uh, that develops. Um, so, DeMarcus, I, I want to go back in history uh, in Georgia because um, Jeff just talked about sodomy, uh, mm. uh, laws. Um, you know, Georgia's been a seminal player in, in issues relating to the LGBTQ community for many, many mm. years. It was mm -hmm. in 1986 that uh, the uh, Supreme Court, Chief Justice Warren Burger, who wrote the uh, 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 opinion, uh, he wrote a concurring opinion, it was in that ruling that uh, the court uh, upheld that sodomy was in fact um, an illegal act. To hold that the act of homosexual sodomy is somehow protected as a fundamental right would be to cast aside millennia of moral teaching, uh, said Justice Warren Berger, and he was reacting to what became a very famous uh, case, uh, Attorney General Michael Bowers bringing, uh, coming to the court with that uh, because an Atlanta bartender named Michael Hardwick was um, caught in a, in, a, in a homosexual tryst, and it went all the way to the court, and the court said, yep, sodomy is illegal. DeMarcus, um, we've come beyond that, uh, but it's still part of our history of who we are in this state and in this country. I, I agree. I, I remember reading about this case, and we all talked about this on your show um, in, in years previous about it and, and um, is how, how stringent and, and the part of our history it is. Um, Sony laws are obviously, I don't think anyone should ever be in anyone's bedroom. What happens in my bedroom uh, stays in my bedroom. Who I decide to love is who I decide to love. I think going forward, we obviously, Justice Clarence Thomas is very, if he wants to attack Sami laws and marriage equality, again, I, I, I think this is something that everybody has understood, uh, said. He has to worry about his own marriage. 
um, uh, loving, <laughs> loving the Virginia uh, is, you know, upheld interracial marriage. And I, I think he should focus. Yeah, it's kind of strange that he left that out of his decision when he, when he, um, when he put down his dissent. I think going for again, we have to be wary. We have to look at these pieces of legislation. We should look closely at these cases. Going forward, we're going to see a lot of attacks, and we have to be at the ready for it. Um, I think going forward, um, people should be um, really, they should go out, talk to their legislators about making sure that we are keeping true to what we already have established in our laws, that we're all protected um, on a federal level, local level, state level, whatnot, um, going forward, this, this, people need to pay attention. Um, should I, wait, 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 before I go forward, Jeff, um, the Bowers v. Hardwick ruling of the Supreme Court making sodomy uh, illegal, um, am I wrong? I mean, th- th- that's still a prevailing decision of the court. There are still, I think, 16 states which have anti-sodomy laws, right? Have I got that wrong? Uh, I, 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 I'm not 100% sure of the number, but I think it's about 16. And yeah, I, this, I, you know, this is one of the reasons why it's, why it's troubling. Now, uh, it was the Georgia State Supreme Court that actually uh, declared our law unconstitutional. Yes. But yes. the law is technically still on the books. I mean, this is a, an, an issue that bubbles up at the legislature every couple of years that someone sees that on the on the books and they uh, want to update it. And I have to explain, please don't don't touch this at all. Um, just leave it alone. And uh, it is, a, again, something uh, that now moves up in priority of our legislative docket to try to actually get that law repealed. It's not serving much of a purpose anymore. Uh, by the way, Kevin, the reason I mentioned that in terms of Georgia is just within the last day, um, uh, Ken Paxson, the very uh, 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 conservative attorney general of the state of Texas, Paxton just uh, told an interviewer that he wants Texas to update its sodomy law. So when Jeff Graham says, you know, there are people who still talk about it in Georgia legislature, it's ha- it, right now in Texas, they've got an attorney general who wants to see it happen there. Yeah, and, you know, let's just think about how long ago that was. I mean, we're talking about a 1986 ruling, and certainly the, the case started well before that. And so while we're visiting history, um, I guess I just want to ask Jeff about the, you know, the famous time when Cobb County uh, also uh, the commission passed some legislation that as the as our city and its international fame began preparing for the Olympics. And um, Bill was the one who said you've been around a long time and I guess we're proving it. But what, could, what do you remember about that, Jeff? Yeah, Jeff, no, I, I covered that. I covered that every day while it was happening in Cobb County. So we've both been around a long time. Do that. Do me a favor. We are really late for a break. Let me and, and Natalie Mendenhall says get to the break. All right. Let's take the break and come back and we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Jeff Graham, going back in history, in 1993, Theater in the Square in Marietta produced Terrence McNally's play, Lips Together, Teeth Apart. The neighbor of the people who were the dominant characters in the play, they were, they were gay. They were referred to. They weren't uh, characters in the play. The Cobb County Commission went crazy 
and banned funding for all the arts in Cobb County. And as Kevin just said a minute ago, this happened in the years before the Olympics came to Atlanta, and it caused a national, if not an international, furor. Yeah, and it, uh, you know, they, 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 they defunded all of the arts in Cobb County. They also passed a resolution saying that uh, I, I believe it was something to the effect of the homosexual lifestyle was incompatible with the family values of, of, of Cobb County. And, uh, you know, in, in, in people can, can say, oh, well, those were just words and, and, and really didn't have, uh, have an impact. But uh, as someone who was very active uh, in, in fighting uh, to try to get that overturned and then certainly uh, involved uh, in the movement to strip uh, Cobb County from hosting any, any of the uh, 1996 uh, Olympics, I, I do remember um, the uh, Cobb County Sheriff's Office uh, escorting me to and from my car and sweeping my car for bombs. Uh, after demonstrations before they would allow me to, to get in. And so, uh, and, and I was not the only one. Uh, I mean, this was, was very much uh, a, a number of LGBTQ folks that were involved uh, in, in those struggles at, at that point in time. And, and I think it's important that we remember that history because this is what I fear the most when we start hearing about these charges of, of, of pedophilia and grooming. And the language of some of the extremism that, again, is moving quickly into mainstream conservative dialogue and rhetoric. Um, and, and it can have very real world implications on the, on the safety of members of the LGBT community. Hey, since we're running out of time, uh, Chanel, I wanted to ask you this. As we prepare for the show, um, among the many things you do for your organization is training. And one of the things that you facilitate is something called Trans 101 Humility Training. And I guess that, that word humility just caught my attention. And I wanted to give you a chance to, to, talk, about, to talk about what that training is and, and why you, you choose that, that word. Usually when you hear about trainings, people call it cultural sensitivity um, they use the word cultural in there, are um, diversity trainings. And they'll suggest that you could have this training and become an expert about a person or a community. And that is just false. You're not going to be an expert about the trans community by any training that I do or that you receive from anywhere else, okay? Meeting me is meeting me. It is not meeting every trans person. Um, and so that's why I say humility. It's about how to be able to approach and to use uh, proper usage and respect um, with dignity, but you are not going to be experts with talking to the transgender community. Chanel, as long as the ball's in your court, let, let me ask you a, a question. Um, in personal experience, you've told us what it was like working with Republican and Democratic legislators and that you were treated with respect and dignity. Um, but let me ask you the larger question for, about you personally. How, are, how do you see transgender individuals, and, and certainly talking about your case, being treated in the larger uh, community? What's it like going through the world in Georgia today as a transgender woman? Today, today is, is, is certainly better than it was, you know, 20, a little over 20 years ago when I transitioned uh, until my age. But... Uh, it's it definitely a change, and it's also different around the country. Also, 
it has, it has definitely changed because today, now, um, because there are elected officials, because now it has been discussed, it is public, um, there is more youth, there is more visibility, then there is more that's, there are more that willing to speak out and talk about them being transgender themselves. And, um, because of that, there's more support and legislation around that. That's just what it is today. In the past, it was not, it was you transition, don't tell anybody about it, you try to get by. Um, especially now that we have um, got uh, workplace protections, um, um, but the Supreme Court has decided on that. That was a major issue before, that you could position if you wanted to, if you could afford it, but there was definitely not going to be any health care um, that was covered through um, through insurance, and there definitely was not going to you probably would not be able to get a job either unless you had really great paperwork and you were very passable where you, you can tell anyone that you were transitioned. Thank you for that. Um, and DeMarcus, a, a similar sort of question for you. Um, HIV AIDS, we've lived with it for 40 years at this mm-hmm. point. Um, thank goodness it is not uh, leading to deaths in the, in the numbers that mm-hmm. it did at one point. Uh, it is still, as you pointed out, an epidemic across uh, much of Georgia. Is it still a stigma, especially in your region, in central Georgia, a lot of rural Georgians around you, red parts of the state? To what extent is HIV-AIDS still stigmatized in the community? Uh, thank you for that question. I, I want to say yes, there is obviously still a stigma. There is there's obviously a lack of education still around the virus. There is a great deal of it. But I just want to say, from my experience here in the middle Georgia area, I have been able to go into churches. I've been able to go into college, uh, colleges and other institutions and provide my services and also have educational sessions. Uh, I, I currently work with the Fort Valley State University, one of the great uh, yeah. uh, black universities and colleges in our, in our uh, state, where uh, we're we're having conversations just not on HIV but consent and and drug and alcohol whatnot. So I think people are more equipped to have the conversation. It's it's truly about coming to the table uh, and saying that this is an epidemic here in our community. What is the best ways that we can work together to to soften the blow or end the epidemic? I, I think we are we're well on our way to be uh, in a world where HIV. And AIDS is not a thing. Um, I would, I, you know, I'm afraid we've got to wrap up the show. Well on our way it is a positive statement to make at the end of this show. And, and I'd kind of like to leave it there. There are tremendous problems that I think this panel has talked about in gaining true equality for the people in the LGBT commun- Q community. Um, but I'm glad to hear that there are some stories that tell us some progress is being made, but the fight will continue. Um, so I want to thank all of you, Demarcus Beckham, uh, Chanel Haley, Jeff Graham, for this uh, conversation. I really appreciate your being on the show. And Kevin, thank you so much, of course, for being my partner from the AJC on Thursdays. A uh, quick note, uh, we're getting away from politics tomorrow, people. It's just been too much all at the same time. We all need a break. So we're going to turn to a show I did a couple of years ago with the country music legend, Bill Anderson, one of the great, great uh, uh, singer-songwriters in country music, grew up in Atlanta, wrote his first songs uh, from a a hotel in North Georgia. He's a great character. I think you're going to like the show. But uh, we'll be back with a brand new show at the start of next week. Everybody take care. 
and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>